0: Beyond the Box 29, The Church Triumphant, Churches Fight Back and Win. As biblical Christians, we have a command, an example through Christ himself, about meekness. Very important, very misunderstood. Meekness is often translated mousiness, weakness, pusillanimousness, it's it's the kind of thing that almost invites bullying and ridicule. There's something we need to understand. The biblical meekness is not weakness. It is grace restrained, in fact, or shall we say, it's strength restrained by grace. That's better. And not only that, it walks with God and let God do all the heavy lifting, all the fighting, all the leading along the way. Now, we always call God Lord, or we should be calling him Lord, and he should be Lord, not just we give lip service to his title. It means he's master, he's the boss. And this is well demonstrated practically by the spirit of meekness. It tells us in Psalm 37 and Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the meek, not the arrogant, the assertive, Or the ambitious, but the meek will inherit the earth. How do people who are meek do what the other guys can't? Remember, there's been many attempts to rule over the whole earth by carnal forces or spiritually energized people, and all of them have failed. All of them. Not one of them has occupied and ruled over the whole earth. The earth is the Lord's, Psalm 24 tells us. So how is it? Nobody can rule the whole earth, though many have tried. But it's the meek who will. How does that happen? Again, it's the God factor. You see, meekness, what it really means is we let God do all the running, all the pulling of the plow. We just follow along with his yoke. We let God lift the heavy things. We let God fight the battles for us. Or sometimes through us. What we're going to see in this particular podcast is God fighting through us for what is right. But meekness means we don't fight for our rights. We don't fight for our vindication. We don't fight for our say. We trust God. We let God do for us what we could never do as well for ourselves. We could do it only a fraction. He does it in full. There are some rare times we may have to speak up in self-defense, but you'll know when those times come. Otherwise, we just keep on keeping on. Not only is Isaac in Genesis 26 a textbook case of meekness, where he doesn't fight for his wells, he doesn't fight to stay in Gerar, he doesn't fight to do anything. He just keeps doing what he's called to do, and he wears out his opponents, and they make peace with him. An even more classic textbook case of meekness is Jesus himself, particularly at his passion. He is arrested without resistance. He is then interrogated and he doesn't answer in his defense, despite the outlandish and false accusations made against him. He doesn't fight back in any way. He just goes with the flow, knowing this was his destiny and that it was for the sins of the world. He does not fight back. However, it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't fight. Just read Revelation 19. The rider on the white horse is him, and he's not coming to have morning tea. He's coming to take over, and it is a fight. In fact, it's what we would call the Armageddon fight. There is a time to fight, and there's a time to flee. There is a time to do God's will in our, how should we say, in our natural resource or our natural gifting, and there's a time to let God do the whole thing for us and sometimes through us. Let me read to you a passage of Scripture before I get to the main part. It's from 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. And this is Paul's exhortation to the young pastor and protege, Timothy. But godliness with contentment is great gain. and pierce themselves with many sorrows. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 12. So much is here, friends, but I want to point out to verses 11 and 12. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There seems to be a paradox here a wonderful one. But Paul in verse 11 is telling us to flee, and then in verse 12 he's telling us to fight. How do you reconcile fleeing with fighting? It seems like a contradiction. No, it's actually divine wisdom. Friends, there's some things in life you're meant to flee from, like sexual sins, fantasizing, unclean thought life, bad language, bad attitude. These things, we may not be able to overcome them on our own, so the best thing is get out of town. Don't stay in a compromised, tempting situation too long because you will succumb no matter how strong and spiritual you think you are. There are some things in life we must flee, especially when it comes to moral issues or immoral issues, I should say, And there's some things we have to fight for. In this case, fight the good fight of faith. Meekness is wise enough to know the difference. Remember that Jesus was called meek. Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. How do these two meek men are known as the most spiritually empowered in the whole Bible? Just about. I think Paul the Apostle was up there too. And that is... They diminished in themselves, Christ in them, or God in them, increased, and they were empowered to do his work. Let me repeat it this way. We must become nothing in our own lives, though that Christ in us, the hope of glory, becomes everything, and then everyone is touched, and everyone is reached. Praise God. This is what we need to learn. With this in mind, There are times in life we need to fight. And I say, in the current environment, this is one of those times. What are we fighting for? We're fighting for family. We're fighting for faith. We're fighting for freedom. I don't think it's a stretch to say we're even fighting for civilization. Now, our enemies may seem to be angry and hateful and love death. But remember, whoever they are humanly, they are made in the image of God. And Christ came to this planet to die for their sins as well as ours. He loves everybody. We need to be less adversarial with people, but very adversarial with forces of darkness. God has given us spiritual weaponry, which is not carnal but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. But it also tells us in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, to submit ourselves to God, to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. To draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh to us. So, friends, the church is, of course, a place of peace, a place of mercy. Yes, it should be meekness because it's not about us. It's not about us. It's all about God. That's a spirit of meekness. At the same time, The lamb has to become a lion that roars. There are times, and I believe we're in such times now. Let me ask you this. Are you feeling pressurized, harassed, battle-weary? Well, join the club. Many are experiencing these very same feelings right now. And no wonder, since the start of this decade, there has been an exceptionally amount of intense spiritual activities in our world with COVID lockdowns, COVID pandemic, BLM riots, a disputed American election, chaotic Afghanistan withdrawal, and much more, all are symptoms of this great unseen spiritual battle. We want to focus on some extremely concerning things, but actually, this particular podcast has positive news. We learned about the alarming news coming out of Canada involving COVID 19 restrictions. Pastors are being arrested and jailed, while at least 50 plus churches have been burnt or vandalized or both. Some of them, or many of them, Indigenous churches. We now want to focus on some good news. It's how churches, and in this case, it's in the United States, have valiantly and fearlessly fought against unjust COVID restrictions. Often these edicts were unevenly applied to churches while letting leftist protesters and secular businesses have a long leash. Restrictions were meant to be temporary, but they had the nasty habit of continuing longer than planned, and stiff penalties were applied for merely coming to the house of God to worship and to pray. Here, are three victories I'd like to report. Please take heart. The first victory is in America's capital, Washington, D.C. There is a church called Capitol Hill Baptist Church, CHBC. Capitol Hill Baptist Church. It sued the District of Columbia for unfair COVID restrictions. They were forbidden to have more than 100 people at a gathering, even though the gathering was outdoors Everyone was socially distanced. Everyone was wearing a mask, but apparently that was not good enough for the governing authorities in the District of Columbia. The fines were paid at $1,000 per violation. You know, even during the lengthy and lethal Spanish flu pandemic a century ago, the church, CHBC, was only closed three Sundays, so I'm told. We were also told that no, District of Columbia has notoriously left-wing progressive judges who would be incredibly unsympathetic to anything Christian or church-wise. Well, that may or may not be the case, but somebody has been praying, because as of October of 2020, D.C. District Judge Trevor McFadden sided with Capitol Hill Baptist Church. He ruled that the District of Columbia's regulations were an unsubstantial, or shall we say, a very substantial burden to the Church's free exercise of religion. In addition, the United States Supreme Court ruled on freedom of assembly must be maintained, apparently even in a pandemic. D.C.'s unfair guidelines violated the American Constitution's First Amendment rights. With all this in mind, the restrictions were lifted, Municipality and counties across the United States will now have to think twice before stopping church services, especially when they're allowing secular enterprises and calling them essential services. This is wrong. In fact, i go as far as to say there is no service in the community more essential than that of the church. Because not just the church does practical things like charitable activities, The church is a source of faith, inspiration, lifting up the spirits of people, even to people who don't attend the church. They are a blessing. They are a benefit. If we don't have the element of faith in operation, we will collapse internally and externally too. No, there's no more essential service than the houses of faith. Now, nine months later, The city of Washington, D.C. agreed to pay the church's legal fees of $220,000. There is a First Liberty Institute with Kelly Shackelford as their leader. Make note, they are great people. First Liberty Institute. They exist to protect religious freedom, not just for Christians, but for all religions in the United States. And they assisted Capitol Hill Baptist Church in their legal case. Hiram Sasser, Executive General Counsel for First Liberties Institute, said, The Church is relieved and grateful that this ordeal is behind them. Government officials need to know that illegal restrictions on First Amendment rights are intolerable and costly. That's in Washington, D.C. Now go to the other side of the United States, to Los Angeles, where Azusa Street and the revival started in 1906. Like the District of Columbia, California is a deep blue state, meaning left-wing, secular progressive, and so on. And they subscribe to this kind of agenda as well, secular progressive. This explains why churches there suffered extra pressures unlike other enterprises in the Golden State. Yet, even in Blue, California, two significant churches took the local authorities and the state to court for unfair regulations against church gatherings. Now, the first was Grace Community Church in the Los Angeles area, John MacArthur, aged 82, the senior pastor. Now, John MacArthur is a noted Bible teacher with an international profile, with syndicated radio and television programs, and yes, he's still ministering away as an octogenarian. He valiantly stood against Los Angeles County's Board of Supervisors and the state of California in its lopsided application of COVID restrictions with high penalties. As it turned out, both the county and the state of California agreed to pay Grace Community Church $800,000 in total, I even heard that the local police refused to enforce the edicts against Pastor MacArthur and the Grace Community Church because they agreed they were ridiculous and unfair. Now, the second church, and this is a very dramatic victory, is the Harvest Rock Church with Pastor Che On as senior pastor. Along with a second church, Che On decided to sue the state of California for unfair restrictions and prohibitive fines. Now, the pastor recalled that Harvest Rock was initially compliant with lockdown, with the understanding it would be temporary. Yet, it continued on and on, as often happens in blue places. When he saw that Governor Gavin Newsom was encouraging left-wing protesters, BLM protesters, perhaps, I'm not sure, but this is what Newsom said to the protesters who were crammed together, no masks, no social distancing, but you know what he said? Keep doing it. God bless you. And Newsom promised to protect these protesters from any legal retribution. At the same time, the churches were ordered to be shut and to stay shut. The governor's two-standard approach caused Harvest Rock and Cheon to launch the suit. After all, Newsom imposed a no-worship ban while encouraging the protesters-slash-rioters. And, of course, Newsom himself is well-publicized for violating his own COVID restrictions by being massless in closed places at birthday parties, restaurants, and what have you. The legal battle was steep and very difficult. Pastor Cheon was threatened with a year in jail if he didn't desist. Some of his church members left, and then initially he lost a legal battle at the liberal South, or shall we say, San Francisco-based Ninth Circuit Court. Finally, his case went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. With the new conservative majority in the nation's highest court, there have been a few wins. There has also been a few losses as well. But the Supreme Court basically upheld the First Amendment clause. And regarding California, said churches cannot be legally closed, though some COVID restrictions can be imposed temporarily. This didn't just apply to Cheon and the other church. This didn't just apply to churches in California. It was really meant to apply for all churches in all states because, after all, this is a ruling from the United States Supreme Court, not a local state Supreme Court. On top of it all, Newsom and the state of California were ordered to pay Harvest Rock's legal fees of $1.35 million. A major reason for these church victories is because the United States has a First Amendment. It also entails robust religious freedom guarantees. Now, the United Kingdom has some of these guarantees as well. Canada has a Charter of rights, which is meant to protect religious freedom, too, although there's questions about it. However, in Australia, at the present time, there are no laws on the books protecting religious freedom. It's just been taken for granted since Federation in 1901 that religious freedom would be protected. Well, we can make that assumption no longer. It's time to rectify it. If you're an Australian, contact your federal member of Parliament and let them know you want protective rights for religious freedom, just like what's enjoyed in the United States and in the United Kingdom. Let me just conclude on this note. We believe in praying and obeying government authorities. We believe in praying for and obeying the police, bearing in mind the principles of Romans 13. However, please bear this in mind, there may come times when the government does an overreach that clearly defies and contradicts God's word. Acts chapter 5 29 says it is better to obey God than man. May we have the wisdom and discernment to know which principles to apply and the courage to carry it out.